We are the Committee for Denominational Research. I'm the Chairman Danny Baer, and um, we started a few years ago at my, basically, the bequest of me and Ron Hunter, who got together and said we felt like we needed to do something like this. I heard a lot of sermons where uh, they would quote Lifeway Research, which is a good research, and it's like-minded churches, and it really tells us a lot. But I said that we need to know something about ourselves. Who are we? What are we doing? So we did a survey on, to our pastors. We found out that we're old. <laughs> the majority of pastors are over 55, which is kind of disconcerting. Uh, that was one of our big takeaways. We, found, we did a, a survey on our churches. Probably the most uh, surprising statistic of that survey was that a third of our churches do not have uh, at that time did not have Sunday night services and uh, I didn't I didn't realize that you know and so that was one big takeaway we did a survey on ordaining uh, committees I guess you would call them if you were in the session yesterday with the theological people I uh, made a point of a uh, one of our statistics of that in regard to divorce but we found out some things about who we are and this last survey I really wanted to do three years ago. When COVID hit, I thought, this will be good for us to find out how COVID has affected us. How has COVID affected who we are? Um, and I planned to do it the fall of 2020. Well, COVID wasn't over then. <laughs> and then next year, well, COVID's still not quite over yet. So we, we waited until the dust settled. And that's kind of where we are today. Our, our our uh, committee is really uh, a lot of very distinguished people. Dr. Eddie Moody is on our committee. Uh, he is very much into research. Dr. Ron Hunter, as I mentioned, who uh, was kind of helped me uh, get this moving and get this going. Dr. Tim Eaton, president of the of Tracks Accreditation. He was also used to be the president of Randall University. Mark McPeak works for a company who deals in research all the time, and he has been a great asset. Dr. Sarah Bracey from Welch has been a big help. In fact, she wrote the executive summary for this. And let me, in case I forget to mention, if you'll go into the exhibit, I didn't bring them with me, but if you go into the exhibit hall, the very first exhibit that you see is the executive secretary's exhibit, the national, and to the left, when you look to the left, there are, is a stack of executive summaries that you can get if you want to pick up an executive summary of this. Also, there's a little table stand, and that, that's going to be available there. Eric Thompson, uh, editor of One Magazine, he did the infographic for us the last couple of years, wrote the executive summary on the last one. He's been a big help, and I send emails out to these folks and have them proofread things and give ideas and help analyze data, and they're just a tremendous resource as we go along. And we started out with a $5,000 grant from foundation to get us uh, funded. So we don't have to go out and raise money. And uh, we just kind of been self-supporting. And um, it's bought a lot of nice cruises for my wife and I. So that's been helpful. <laughs> now we were able to do what we need to do with that. We still have some money left over uh, from that original grant. So we'll continue to use that as we can. Um, so how has the recent pandemic affected us? And uh, here's the thing about, let me just say this about statistics 
and about things. We uh, tend to talk to the people who we know and we form opinions based on that. Years ago, Ronald Reagan was elected as president and one lady was interviewed on TV and she said, I don't know how he was elected president. Nobody I talked to voted for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, according to who you talk to. Um, I was the uh, moderator of the uh, Randall Association here in North Carolina for a number of years. And uh, it's a fairly decent sized uh, association, uh, uh, over 30 churches in the middle of the state. And uh, a good association. Our, uh, Dr. Uh, Moody was part of that association for years. Uh, uh, Reuben Kaysen was part of that. He's a pastor in that association, still a member of a church in that association. And uh, I talked to the guys, that, the, and I got an opinion based on the pastors that I talked to, you know, uh, about finances and attendance and things. Uh, and that's what you do, don't you? You talk to the people around you. So uh, did we hear from every Free Will Baptist Church? No, we did not. Not nearly every, but we feel like we have a decently uh, sam a decent sample. There's a couple things of consideration that I'll show you in here to, to help with this survey. Uh, the infographic is going to be, and this is the infographic, I won't go over this, but the infographic is going to be uh, in, uh, at the conference. Now, I mean, at, at that table that I mentioned a while ago. Um, we looked at a number of areas. We looked at attendance, we looked at services, we looked at finances. We asked about con the concept of controversy, and then we looked at media use. We asked a couple other questions at the end, and I'll give you some ideas about those. Uh, let me first mention demographics. Um, we, we heard from 24 states. Now, I think Free Will Baptists are involved in closer to 40, 43 states. Uh, but some of those states that we did not hear from have very little uh, Free Will Baptist involvement. There's a lot of states that only have like one or two churches. We didn't hear from Alaska, for example. And there's only, I think, two churches. We didn't hear from Hawaii. Um, but notice on this graph, this shows you the breakdown of the pastors involved. You can see that the green is full-time pastors and the others are bivocational. The blue down here is, is a full-time pastor who has a small, you know, some small income from outside. So you can see this is overwhelmingly biased towards full-time pastors. This is what we have found with our surveys. Uh, we send out surveys and it, we get full-time pastors answer the surveys. It's very difficult to get bivocational pastors answer surveys. I was a bivocational pastor who laid carpet uh, 60 to 80 hours a week and pastor a small church. And when you do that kind of thing, I was that for two years up in Ohio, and when you're involved that way, uh, it's difficult to do things and you just don't keep in contact. So this has been a very uh, normal kind of response that we've gotten. We would love to have a better response, but uh, this is the way this works. So let's talk about attendance. So this is Sunday morning. Sunday morning services. Um, and by the way, if you want this keynote, I'll be glad to email it to me. If you just give me your email address, I'll be glad to do that. There'll probably be a One Magazine article about this in the coming months. So we're, we, we want to be very uh, open in what we're doing. So 
Um, how are we, how, uh, what has happened, what's our Sunday morning attendance now compared to pre-COVID? Now the weighted average, you can see at the bottom right hand corner, and this is a little guesswork a little bit, but this is fairly close. The weighted average is that we're right around, as a whole, right around 85% of what we were before COVID. Tom Rainer said that 20% of your people will never return. And that's kind of what is the expectation in evangelical circles. And he's pretty much an expert in evangelical circles. Sunday morning, 85%, which is the best statistics we have. Now, the Greens say they grew. You can see that's uh, probably around 20% uh, of the of our churches said they have actually grown since pre-COVID. The blue is they're right at what they were pre-COVID, and the yellow is they are about 90% of what they were pre-COVID. So if you take these three together, these three together average about, we're right at where we were, some a little bit more, some a little bit less, some right at, you see what I mean? But that's only about, a little over half, we have a number of them that say they've dropped. And uh, some have dropped severely, 50% or less, that's a small group. Some 60%, a pretty large hunk, right around 20%, say they're only at 70%, another at 80%. But if you weight all that together, if you take all these and weight it, it's close to 85% of where we were pre-COVID. This is kind of what I found when I talked to pastors. Where are you? And the, the common answer I got is 80%. Now, I don't know where you are, but this is kind of where we are as the denomination. Sunday evening uh, was one of the hardest hit. And you can see the green where they're more than they were pre-COVID is very small. Uh, the blue to the right is about pre-COVID and the yellow is just under. So you can say we're only about half of our churches are close to that average of where they were pre-COVID. About half of our churches are below where they were. And this was the hardest hit um, in attendance. And we will see something more about Sunday evening services as we go along. Midweek, a little bit better. Midweek is a little closer to what it was for Sunday morning, up to 83% is the weighted average, uh, where the uh, Sunday night was more like 80. And uh, so Sunday, midweek is pretty close to a Sunday morning effect on what we were pre-COVID. Uh, how about Sunday school and life group? Again, it's very similar, a little over half. A little over half is this either right at a little bit above or a little bit below. So a little over half is in that area. But <clears throat> Sunday morning has been hit and the weighted average, you can look at that uh, red area up there. That's the one that's 50% or less. See how big that is? That is a big hit in our Sunday morning life, Sunday morning slash life groups. We've changed Sunday school to life groups. And when I walk into it, basically I'm in a Sunday school class. And I'm a Sunday school teacher, but we call it a, I have to keep reminding myself, I'm a life group teacher. So anyway, same thing, different terminology. But here's the thing about life groups. The reason why I put life groups is because a lot of churches 
have taken away Sunday morning life groups and moved them to another spot. So they still they have life groups. And sometimes it's different nights of the week. Different life groups will meet in homes or whatever. So we've expanded that concept, right? So that's why I put life groups with Sunday morning in this particular question. But because we've had such a big hit in that red area, especially, and or you say, look, a fourth of our churches have been are 60% or less in that Sunday morning life group group. So that's, this has been a hard hit area. Now this is an interesting graphic and I have to kind of explain what's going on here. Here was the question. How has COVID affected certain age groups? How has COVID affected certain age groups? Now, the uh, bottom gives you the legend. If it's, if it's, uh, it hasn't hardly affected at all. Uh, um, excuse me. Sorry. Let me, let me, uh, here's the question. What is your attendance in these age groups compared? Here's what's the question. What is your attendance in these age groups compared to, to pre-COVID? What is your attendance? And so we say if we have that it is, um, we have much, we have a lot more in that, attend, in that age group. That's the orange. If there's a lot more in that age group, if there is some more in that age group, it's the, it's the blue. If it's basically the same as what it was pre-COVID, that's the yellow. If it's much less, some less than what it was, and this is much less than what it was. So how do we analyze this particular graph? Well, let's look at the much more. Which groups have a lot more in their, have more in their church? You can see the orange at the top. And it's interesting, it's the, it's the real little kids uh, the preteens and this uh, 20s to 30s group is the area that seems to be the area that has more, but it's not much, is it? It's a very small percentage. Um, the light blue is some more. So if you put those two together where there's more in that age group, uh, the light blue and the orange means there's more in that age group. You can see it's the children and then this group that have the children. <laughs> But look at this group over here. This was a shock to me. Um, the, there's very few, a 70 year old and over where there's more in those areas. Uh, in fact, when you get down to some less and much less, look at this, you add these two together. These are the groups that are not coming back, are not back to church. This is a, this is a big hit area. Now, what I've noticed in some of our other questions is, and in our experience at our own church, is that there's a lot of elderly who just haven't come back, and they're watching online. They're still afraid, they got used to it, and they are just simply staying home. And some of them are still concerned. But that area has hit us more than anything else. The area that seemed to be the least affected is, is this group. And this is usually your solid worker, uh, financial supporters, that 40s and 50s group uh, is, is a group that is a, is a strong group in any church. That's a core group that you expect. Those were affected seemingly the least in regards to um, not coming back. So this is interesting. It, it gives you an overview of age groups 
you can see overall uh, that you have a very similar pattern, but it is an interesting, some interesting statistics. How about our services? Well, um, another graph I have to explain. The uh, green, the green are people who said, we never stopped this service. We didn't stop it during COVID. We had it before COVID. We didn't stop it during COVID, and we still have it. This was a shock to me. It was a shock to me that over 40% of our churches said they never stopped coming to church on Sunday morning. I thought, I, that was, I just stopped just about everybody stopped for a little while. Now, a lot of them moved outside. Our church had COVID had services for mo a lot of COVID, but we had it outside in the parking lot, you know. Um, some of them had services, but they did it online. They, they kept services going, and so some of them may have included that. You know what I mean? So I think there's some explanation here. And we didn't dig into that. That would be a more of a, a, a more detailed quantitative analysis or a qualitative analysis to find out some of the reasons why they did some of that. And as you can see, the blue are the people, are the churches that stopped it before COVID, but started it back. So you can see Sunday morning is, is the main service, obviously, where people stopped it, but they're back. And that, so everybody is back to Sunday morning. We have everybody back to Sunday morning services. Now, Sunday evening, very few kept it going. Very few. We're looking at a, a little over 10% kept a Sunday evening service going. Okay? And that sounds fairly typical to me. That doesn't surprise me. These didn't have it before, but added it back. So the green and the blue are the ones who are having Sunday morning services now. The yellow and the orange are, the, are churches who are not having Sunday morning services now. Now, I told you at the very beginning that we did a survey on churches a few years ago. And what did I say the most surprising statistic was to me? That a third of the Free Will Baptist churches at that time do not have Sunday evening services. Those are the orange. The orange are people who say, we didn't have it before COVID and we still don't have it. Okay, that's the orange. And it, ma it matches our survey from three years ago exactly. That gives a little validity that our sur survey now is a decent sample compared to our survey then. We have these, we're, we're at the point we could do some comparative survey, you know, analysis, and that's very, very helpful to feel like we're on track about what our surveys are. But here's what this tell you. Three years ago, a third of our churches didn't have Sunday evening services. Now, half of Free Will Baptist churches do not have Sunday evening services. That was, that's probably one of the bigger surprises to me. Half of our churches have stopped. Uh, either never had it or not having it now. So um, when I say never have it, did, did not have it pre-COVID. Oh, somebody putting around an email addresses? Yeah, all, all right, anybody? Okay, so that's good. I got some work to do. I have a, <laughs> I have a secretary back there. Oh, I, we'll take care of it. We'll get that to you. 
But half of our free will Baptist churches do not have Sunday services. Now, you know, my son, uh, he's our pastor now. We retired and moved there. I've told a lot of people we love having our son as our pastor, but if he thinks we're going to him for marriage counseling, he's crazy. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, McCrampton is a great church, got a Christian school. I mean, it's a strong church. Uh, Brother Gene's back there. He can attest to that. It's a, it's a good church. It's been a strong church for a long, long, long time. We don't have Sunday evening services anymore. Um, and people, there's some people think you're a heretic when you do that. And some people say, you will join the crowd, you know. So it's kind of a, one of those areas you either love it or hate it. Uh, but that's kind of where we are in Free Will Baptist now. So, uh, okay, midweek services are pretty good. You can see most Free Will Baptist, again, the green and the blue are the ones having midweek services now. The blue stopped it during COVID and added it back. The light blue is, a, is an interesting concept. That light blue is, we asked, this was, did you not have it before COVID, but you started it after COVID? And interesting, there's some people who said midweek and Sunday school, but notice the biggest one is life groups. Life groups is the biggest addition after COVID, the concept of life groups. And I, see, I divided Sunday school and life groups in this particular thing. Uh, because life groups does have that dimension of, nor of a lot of times happening, not Sunday morning. Some people stopped Sunday night and added life group Sunday night, for example. That kind of thing. So, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, the life group, this number of, life, of, of those who have life groups is very small, but that's, that's what, what we kind of expected. Uh, children's church, teen services, and a lot of churches didn't have those anyway. Uh, we just went over this, this deal, and I want to point this out, that uh, this particular graph, this shows the people who never quit their Sunday evening service. These are ones who quit their Sunday evening service and started at the back. So the blue and the green are, are churches that have Sunday evening service now. The yellow had Sunday evening service before COVID, but stopped it and have never started it back. The orange are those who did not have Sunday evening service before COVID. So the yellow and the orange are, are churches now who do not have Sunday evening service. And this match, the orange matches our survey about three years ago. Two thirds of our Free Will Baptist churches did not have Sunday evening, I mean, excuse me. One third of our Free Will Baptist churches did not have Sunday evening service three or four years ago. Now 50% of our Free Will Baptist churches do not have service Sunday evening. My son just came in the, in the building, uh, room. Please do not tell him anything I've talked about him. <laughs> Somehow, the fact that I have retired and now we're sitting in the pew, my, um, the way I raised him becomes a common illustration. So, and that's okay. His children are thrilled because they used to be the common illustration. Now we are. Somehow it's always my dad. The best thing this week, he was, she was, he was talking about David killing the, the bear by grabbing its beard. So we're going to start a Facebook, Bears with Beards. <laughs> and, and anyway, we thought it was funny. but The yellow is, is the COVID. The yellow, the that's a, so it was 33%, now it's 50%. So about 17% of our churches stopped Sunday night service as a result of COVID. So it, 
yes, some of that. But a lot of churches weren't doing it even before COVID. I mean, any national office guys in here, any big wigs in here? My understanding is that churches around Nashville basically, does your church have Sunday night? We have student-only Sunday night. Student, what? Students only. Okay, interesting. We just, just kind of read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a lot of churches around Nashville do not have Sunday night service. Is that right? There are, there are quite a few. Yeah, quite a few, yeah. So a lot of our national leaders go to churches. I mean, this is kind of a, because this kind of became a controversy, especially with one person who's been a pain for Josh. But, uh, you know, and they were trying to say how terrible it was to stop Sunday night. Well, you know, this is un- unfree will Baptist. Well, our national leaders don't go to a church that Sunday. What are you talking about? You know, yeah, this is kind of an evangelical thing, I, I think, also. But it certainly is interesting in Free Will Baptist. Let's go to finances so we can move along here. Uh, now, I'm, I'm moving to a positive area, by the way. Now, if you think not for my church, again, anecdotal maybe, but look at what's happening to, to us um, the, I, we asked three questions. What's the initial effect of COVID, like fall of 2020, right? What was a, an effect a year later, fall of 2021, and what's the effect now? And this would have been in April and May, all right? So this right now. First of all, what was the initial effect? Green is no effect, mean about the same. Orange is a great increase Light blue is a slight increase. So the initial effect for all of these churches was the finance was either the same or increased. So that's well over half of our churches either saw their finances in the midst of COVID either stay the same or increase. And that was my anecdotal understanding of the churches that I had talked to. Now... Hey, listen, there was a slight decrease for about a fourth of our churches and a great decrease for about 20% of our churches. And so we do not dismiss this as insignificant, by the way, you know, by any means. But there was an increase in that very first initial. So what happened a year later? Not much. In fact, let me go back. Notice the light blue on the left. This is what it was during COVID. This is what it was a year later. So the slight increase was more. But if I'm going to go back. If you look at the green, the orange, and the blue all together, the green and the orange hardly changed. The blue changes quite a bit. And those who saw a decrease changed a lot. There's a lot less. How about now? Even more. Notice, all of these say their finances are better now, or the same. There's only this, this group here, which again, about a fourth of our churches, that's not insignificant. We, we do not consider that irrelevant, but it is good to see that for the most part, we fared well in COVID, in finances. Again, I, I, I found this from... Just about every pastor I talk to. How about how offerings were received? The green is we passed the offering plate. That's what we did before COVID, right? Now, there's um, there are churches that 
that uh, had a box in the back. What, uh, you know, some what churches up in the mountains have the alms box in the back. You know, that's so, and some were starting to use online. How about during COVID? Well, <laughs> we used the box, didn't we? We didn't pass the plate hardly any. Only 25% of our church continued to pass the plate and the COVID germs. I'm sorry, no, no pass the plate. No, pass the plate. That was, that was a cheap dig, sorry. <clears throat> Forget that. Take that one off the recording. But notice the online increased to uh, just under half of our churches using online. Now, we're back to using offering plates a little bit more. But we're still using the box, and online is still a big factor. So I thought this was interesting and pretty much what we expected. Controversy. Here's the question. How big of a controversy was this in your church? And th in three areas. One, COVID in general. Two, masks. The wearing of masks. And three, vaccines. Okay, so this is what we found. Uh, COVID in general, uh, if it was a, a very... Um, Now, I'm, I didn't put the legend on here, and my brain is starting to get a little fried here. But <clears throat> this was, the green is, this is the worst controversy I've ever had in my ministry. This is the worst controversy I've ever had in my ministry. The blue is, this was a serious controversy. The purple, whatever. This was a serious controversy. The yellow is, this was somewhat of a controversy. The light blue is, this was very little, if any. So as you can see, if you add up, if you go up to here, which adds up all three of these, about two-thirds of our churches had felt like, pastors felt like it was a controversy in their church in regards to this. Uh, as you can see down in the green, about 15% of our Churches, our pastors felt like this was the worst controversy they've ever faced. Let me give you an illustration. A good friend of mine was pastoring a, a fairly good-sized church, and they were trying to deal with COVID, just like all of us. We tried to, we did all kinds of things, right? You know, you try to deal with COVID. What do you do? The deacons got together and they decided <clears throat> to have half of the church be designated for people who did not want to wear masks. Because some people were pretty adamant, I'm not wearing a mask. Half of the church were people who wanted to wear a mask. Some people were pretty adamant, I'm going to wear a mask. So they, they just had it sectioned off. That sounded to me like a wonderful compromise and situation. They announced that on Sunday. The next morning, one of his men called him and said, my wife could hardly sleep at all last night after your announcement. She cannot believe that you would actually have a section in the church set aside for people who want to wear masks. So she was obviously a very strong anti-maxer. Masker. Not max. Masker. Anti whatever it is. You know what I mean. She was very, she was very obviously very opposed to the wearing of masks. 
And we had those in our churches, didn't we? Hey, some of you might have been that, you know? I know some preachers who were pretty hot and heavy on social media about masks, vaccine, government conspiracy. We had some of those comments in the questions we asked towards the end, you know? Um, but also know some people who were so scared they didn't uh, get out of the house. And I know some people who are still in their home, like we said, the elderly in our early slide. It's, it's changed us. It has affected us. And it's caused a lot of controversy amongst our people. And, and you know, God help us to deal with that. I mean, that's, it, it's a difficult thing to deal with as a pastor, especially if the pastor takes a very strong stand one way or the other. If that happens, the church tends to. A lot of the churches who said, we're not closing, you know, they did it very adamantly and almost some even almost felt like they looked down their nose at those who did close. So it became controversy amongst our church members, amongst family members, amongst communities, uh, between churches, pastors, conferences. And so it was a tough deal for us, wasn't it? As we said, there was about 15% that said this was the biggest controversy they ever faced in their ministry. Even if it wasn't the biggest controversy amongst your people, it's been one of the biggest events, life-impacting events that we faced, hasn't it? And it's amazing how this, is, this has happened. I mean, most of us have not, uh, did not live, I think Blaine was around during World War I, but most of us have not lived, Blaine's my cousin, sorry. Uh, most of us have not lived through a world war, a world war. Uh, we didn't live through the Depression. Our parents did, you know, some of us, grandparents, some. Uh, this was a, 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 a worldwide event that affected us in a tremendous way. Uh, media use was a big plus. These were the churches who used live stream before COVID. Now, the blue is basically, did you live stream Sunday morning? This is either live stream or recording for use afterwards. My home church in Ohio didn't have internet at their church, so they couldn't live stream. But they would record it and put it on YouTube. So it would be either way, right? That's what I'm talking about. So you can see that just under a half of our churches uh, did some live stream recording before COVID, and a little the other rest of them didn't. And some of these did some other services too. Uh, during COVID, here's what happened: we jumped up to 85% using live stream, and only about 15% not doing anything. How about now? It's still pretty big. This is one of the biggest effects that COVID, positive effects of COVID. Now. <laughs> When we asked about problems about COVID, some people said people staying home watching live stream. I mean, negative effects, negative effects. People staying home, and both ways, positive and negative. People can watch live stream, that's, that's positive. People are watching live stream and not coming to church, that's negative. So you have it both ways. I know my, uh, Debbie and I appreciate when we're out on the road and doing things, being able to tune into our church. If we're not close to a Free Will Baptist Church or somebody we know, we tune in. You know, uh, and we like doing that. There's still a lot of shut-ins. Some of the older people who are still scared of going out, they're able to watch live stream. And this use has been tremendously helpful. How about social media? Now, this is, this first series is using social media to minister to your church members. Using social media to minister to your church members. That's normally Facebook. 
but it also could be putting things on YouTube and using other social media. Notice the, this is, okay, compare before COVID to now. This is what we asked. Using social media before COVID compared to now. The green says there's no change. See, that's only about 20%. The yellow and the blue is there is a change, either somewhat or a great change, a big change. So the point with this graph is most of our churches are now using social media. Um, this, I mean, used social media during the pandemic. This was during the pandemic. I'm sorry, I said after. This is during the pandemic. Most of our churches use social media. My, my pastor of my home church back home, you know, uh, Brother Kenny, I don't think he even knew how to turn on an iPhone. Uh, he may not even know what an iPhone was. But his wife knew iPhone and his wife knew Facebook and she would hold the camera in front of him. He's laying back in his lazy boy, feet propped up, cup of coffee, Bible in his lap, did a devotion for his church members every day during COVID. And here's a guy that hardly knew how to turn a computer on, I don't think. But he's using it every day to talk to his church members. Isn't that great? This happened. Now he's not doing it now, I don't think, but he was doing it during COVID because they couldn't come to church. How about after now? What's happening now? Well, you can see it is, uh, you know, there was no change in the green. There was no change now in the green. So we're, a lot of churches went back to not using it. But still, there's, all of these churches are now using social media to talk to their church members or minister to their church members who did not use it before COVID. This is one of the big positives. How about outreach? Use social media to connect with people who are not part of your church. Now, it's not as dramatic, but there, these are churches during the pandemic that tried to use social media to reach people outside their churches. And how about now? Very close to the same. Again, well more than half, about 60% of our churches are now using social media for outreach who did not use it before the pandemic. This is one of the big, wonderful, positive changes that happened regard to COVID. We asked people, what would you say is the most negative result of the COVID pandemic in your ministry? By far, uh, attendance, 85%. By far, attendance, or 85% others responded. Loss of fellowship, division, fear, apathy, denomination. <laughs> Some were upset about uh, denominational leaders. I'm not sure about what they meant by that, but, uh, you know, I guess denominational leaders wore masks. Again, some guys were really strong about that. Deaths in our church and so forth. How about the most positive result? And uh, I, I don't, um, I, didn't, I didn't get this, and I thought I had the, uh, I, I thought I had the uh, word, word map for that. But we've already seen the positive results. The reason why I didn't do it is because I started seeing we saw this or what we saw, social media. Uh, you know one of the biggest things about the positive results? And here's what the biggest one. I saw it in all kinds of ways. But basically, Pastor says, COVID made me re-examine our ministry, how we connect with people, how we use the tools that we have available, and... Yeah, we only have 80% of our people, but the 80% we have are 
the core of our church, who are dedicated. I'm not saying that those numbers doesn't mean anything. They mean a lot. They mean a, a huge amount. Every person is a person, right? A soul for whom Christ died. But the people you get in, you need to make sure you're ministering to them in the best way you can minister to them. You need to be able to reach them. Those who can't come to church, you need to be able to reach them. You need to be able to have outreach using social media or whatever. In other words, churches felt even though their attendance was down, their church is better. A lot of guys give this positive thing. Our church is better after COVID, even though we have less people coming. In other words, we always, attendance is our big metric. How's your church doing? Well, we're up such and such. And I'll brag about that. Yeah, I went to Williamsburg and we increased by 50% and, you know, three years. And I'll tell that to Josh so I can brag on him how good of a pastor I was. Hello. Yeah, we did. But the real, the real value of what I did in Williamsburg, Virginia, wasn't just a number on the board. It was me discipling young couples in homes week after week after week for months. Debbie can attest to that. I wasn't home because I was out discipling people at night. <coughs> um, that was where the value was. Yeah, the, the, the attendance is a metric, but there's a lot other metrics that we ought to be using. And the vision that, that COVID gave was a tremendous, a tremendous vision. We asked people what they wish they would have done differently, and you, it's all over the board. Uh, we wish we'd have never stopped. We wish you to use social media more uh, and those kinds of things. So um, this was a good survey. I think it, it helpful. Some things are surprising. Some things aren't. But uh, I think it was a blessing.